himself. Now blessed to have our sermon today by Mr. Steve Andrews entitled Beyond Baptism. Well, greetings to all of you that are here today on God's Sabbath. Greetings to you who may be tuning in today. And um, it's a wonderful day. It's beautiful in Oklahoma. We finally, like uh, Owen said, we've, I think we finally broke the hundreds and we're back to having some better and nicer weather, I hope, anyway. With a title like I've got, some of you young people out there might just kind of want to tune out. If you're watching from some other place, let me say that if you've been in this wave for any length of time, you've grown up in this church, in this way of life, God wants you in his family. He wants you to be a part of his family. And one day, one day, he will start calling you and bring you into his family. So even though I'm going to be talking to those that have already been baptized, just think about the day when you will come and be baptized also. Because it will, you know, God will call you, especially if you've grown up in this way, and you think maybe he's not paying any attention to you. He definitely is, and he definitely loves you. Now, baptism can be simply um, summed up in Romans, the sixth chapter. Even though there's so much that we can cover, and I don't really have that much time to cover a lot of things today, what I'm going to do is give it a broad overview of the plan of God. And I, I'm just wanting to, to, um, to just give it out to you because it's so wonderful what God has called us to that sometimes we, we lose a little bit of that living in the society we live in today. Knowing this in Romans, the, the sixth chapter, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like unto Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which is the burial in that watery grave, we also shall be uh, in the likeness of his resurrection. And so that's what, you know, it's interesting. I kept thinking about this. Baptism only happens once. We only come to God that one time to be baptized, to, to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior for the remission of sins. And it's only that one time in our life. And sometimes we think, maybe this didn't take, you know, it says in there that we shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We shall receive that. And I want that to be emphasized because that's exactly what God promises. And it's so important for us to understand that. For he that is dead, uh, let's see, I, I, I got ahead of myself. Knowing this, that that old man is crucified with him the body of sin, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that hereafter we should serve, not serve sin. For that he is dead is freed from sin. 
Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. These are powerful words that Paul has given us who have come through that watery grave and are now the new person, that new creature in Christ. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once, but in it that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, beyond baptism, this is what our life is. We are in Christ. We are living in, in Christ. And God has set forth some very wonderful things that we understand, and a lot of people don't. A lot of even people who, who go to church every week and don't really understand some of the very basics that, that, that seem so obvious to us, us. Every year, we keep something called the Passover. Yearly, we keep this Passover. And John, in, in John, the sixth chapter, Jesus says this. And it's so, it's, it's been there. <laughs> it's been there all along. And so many ignore this very powerful words of Jesus Christ about the Passover. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells on me, and I in him. And, and of course, a lot of his disciples, when they heard that, they, they just walked off and, and left him. They didn't understand that Jesus was going to give them symbols that they would be able to appreciate what he had sacrificed his life for. The wine and the bread and the, and the foot washing. All of those things that, that, that he sacrificed his life that we might have eternal life. I remember the first Passover that I, that, that I kept. And I've told this many times and I, 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 and I keep thinking about how ignorant I was of this very basic thing, and yet I wanted to have God to love me and to be, you know, I wanted to be one of his children. And I came into that Passover, that first one that I was, that I kept late. <laughs> late for Passover. I, I couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even get there on time. I was a single guy. I, I, I have no excuses, really. I, I didn't. But I was willing it was so, um, how's the word I want? So frightening, because I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in this way. I, I, I wasn't a little kid that went back for foot washing or, or, or watched my parents take all these things. My background in, in, in anything was probably Protestantism to some degree. My dad was a Methodist, my mother was. I don't know what exactly she was, but <laughs> partly, um, you know, I think she would go along with him to Methodist Church if they ever decided to go, which he very rarely ever did, except for maybe Christmas and Easter. So it was a very um, 
disconcerting to this young man who was only 20 years old to come in and sit down. But I wanted to be there. I wanted to understand. And, and God has given me the blessing understanding all these years of how important the Passover is for each and every one of us who have gone beyond the baptism. And every year we come before God and we accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We also observe something also very, very important in the days of unleavened bread. <laughs> I remember the first time that I had ever heard about the unleavened bread, and it, it took me a while. I don't know about you, but it took me a while to, to comprehend that as a young person, and, and I just went ahead, and with whatever everybody was doing, I wanted to, to do it. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be there. I remember that first uh, night to be uh, remembered, observed. Uh, we were in Oklahoma City, and uh, this big crowd of people were there, and I, I was there. I, I, I had my suit on. I was a part of it. I was doing whatever I could to, to be a part of it, but I really did not have a functional understanding of what God was, was teaching me and helping me to understand. Many, many sermons, many times, and reading the Bible, and studying, and thinking, and meditating on the Word, and seeing this plan of God being worked out, being worked out in, in all of the people, that all these young people that he's calling. We're all young. I don't care if you're 100 years old. You're young in God's sight. <laughs> you know, he's eternal. We're all young. We're all just little children. We're, in fact, we're all just babes. We're, to God, we're just babies. And, and so consequently, when we make a little mistake, God is there and he's, he's loving. And Jesus is right there as our advocate and our high priest. And he is. The Bible says he is that bread of life. And so how important is the, the days of unleavened bread to understand that that, that, that very vital bread of life in, in in John, the sixth chapter, where you're, where you're at right now, in just a couple of few verses, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, he ha uh, has everlasting life. Whoa. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? He that believes on me has everlasting life. And then Jesus says, I, I am the bread of life. You know, after he was going... After he told him, he says, well, all that manna that they ate in the wilderness, they all died. <laughs> they, all that that they ate, they all died. But if you eat this bread, if you eat this special bread, the bread of life, you will live forever. This is that bread that come down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. How important are those words. How important is this day, the days of unleavened bread, those, those seven days that we eat unleavened bread, that were unleavened. You know, it, we heard in, the, in the, uh, the Bible study, the leavening, they were puffed up. They were, they were the ruling class. We're the ruling class. We know it all. You know, that's how, how it works. Uh, we have a lot of that going on in the society we live in today. We know it all. We are very special. Yeah. Uh, in God's eyes, we are sinners. And we're the chief of sinners. 
And we need to repent. And as a nation, we need to repent. And as a nation, we need the days that he is teaching us. All of these holy days are so very important. That next holy day, when that, was, that spirit was poured out and given, was so very, very special. And I could go back to Acts, the second chapter, and, and we could read through that. But I, I picked 1 Corinthians um, 3 just as an oversight into this because in what, he, in what Paul was saying here, in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, in, in just one verse, in one verse, he gives us an understanding of how the Spirit works. Now, we can go to, to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and see how, you know, the Spirit of man and the Spirit. But this is very important as we make this walk in our life and as we go beyond baptism. He says, know you not, <laughs> we should know this, <laughs> know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So after we make that commitment to God through our baptism, and we begin our life's journey to eternal life, he comes and dwells in us. We are that temple. We are that most precious place that he and, the, and, and Jesus come to dwell in. And sometimes I read that and I think, why? I, I'm, not, I'm not temple worthy. I'm kind of like the, when Jesus came in to the temple and had to knock the money changers over. Sometimes I think this is the kind of... of of temple I am. I need Jesus to come in and clean me up sometimes and make me more where they would want to dwell. Because I want them to dwell in me. I want to be the temple of the living God. I want Jesus to see me and to love me as I want him to see and love all of you and especially my children and my grandchildren. I want Jesus to have a part in my life. And he has for many, many years. And I don't want to lose that. And so that's the reason why I keep the holy days. Why I preach the holy days. Why I preach this way of life. It's because it's very important for all of us. Who wants to see Jesus return <laughs> Yay! I think we all do, don't we? I see Joseph back there. He's got his hand up high. <laughs> we all want to. Trumpets, trumpets. And I love, you know, this, the, the words in the scriptures about the return of Christ and the power that's there. And he's going to come with a sword and he's going to bring peace to this earth because we're going to about destroy one another. But in 1 Thessalonians, beginning in verse 16, for the Lord himself, the Lord himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Don't you think this is going to be one of the most powerful events that's ever occurred in the universe? Not just in America, not just in the... I'm talking about the universe. This is something God has been planning for a very long time. He has been setting this up for a very long time. He has wanted his children beside him. He has been calling and calling and bringing more and more in. And so when this day comes, when this time comes, this will be a tremendous event. Angels will be singing. Power in the, in the universe will be there. It'll be like lightning and power and glory and everything will be going on in the universe. And Christ will be coming down. And then, those that are alive, I'm not sure whether I will be or not, I'll eat because even if I'm laying in the grave, I'll hear that call. Those that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And Paul wants us to comfort one another with these words. And I know in the Feast of Trumpets, we're going to go through these again, and I hope you will listen and be encouraged that God loves you so much that one day you're going to be in his kingdom and you will have a part in that and you will hear that trumpet call and you will be ready. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want you to be comforted. I I want you to, to really feel that God loves you enough that that he wants you to be in his kingdom. He wants you to, to have a part in everything that he has planned for all eternity. Because that's what he's promising, eternal life. So he's got a lot of plans. <laughs> this, is, this is a being that's been planning creations and things for eternity, and we will be a part of it. There's a... <laughs> There's a holy day that's a little bit more difficult for us older people. I, I, maybe some of you have, a, have it very easy, but I, I, as I get older, it's a little difficult. But I believe in fasting on the Day of Atonement because I believe it's one of the, those very important times that God has called us to come to him, to be at one with him, to, to, to take that time to, to get rid of the food, to think about the, the plan that he has and all of it. And in Romans, the fifth chapter, I'm just going to read this as I pick this one. And, and you know, there's a lot about the Day of Atonement. But I'm just going to read this, this one little thing, beginning in verse 8. But God commends his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. How important is that to each and every one of us in this room today? 
everyone that's come through baptism and uh, has God's Holy Spirit, God commends his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I am so thankful that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, that I have an advocate because I'm like everybody else. I'm just human. I have weaknesses and things I don't get done or do or things that I should do and I don't do. Um, maybe things that I think that I shouldn't be thinking. Uh, doing things that I do. Kind of like Paul. <laughs> he was commiserating by all the things that he had in his heart, but his body was doing things that he didn't really want him to do. I am so thankful that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and that there's power there and there's that love and concern for each and every one of his children. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the atonement. It is that reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ it gives us the hope of the kingdom of God. It is his life as he sits at the right hand of the Father. And you know, this is metaphorical, of course. I don't think they just sit all the time. I think there's powerful movement. And if they need to do something, they do it. They get up. They go. They, they, you know, they rule the universe. <laughs> they watch over the children, you and I, they rule the universe. They love the creation. He's a creator. He loves it. But most of all, he wants us in the kingdom. That's why he was willing to sacrifice his life. To give us eternal life in the kingdom. Being at one with God. In the kingdom, you all are going to go. We, we're going, you know, trumpets is coming, atonement's coming, the Feast of Tabernacles is coming. Who wants to rule for a thousand years in the kingdom of God? Joseph, hi, he's ready. <laughs> yeah, Joseph, I knew it. <laughs> he's ready. All the rest of us are ready, too, I know. We just didn't want to put our hands up. <laughs> I know we're all ready. I want to see this world change. I'm, I've been around long enough, and I think older men and people that have been around a while really feel the same inside. Ugh. What's going on? Even in a country that has had many things, many good things, is now beginning to deteriorate. And so I am looking forward to the kingdom more and more and more every, every day. So let's go back, and I, you're going to get a lot of this in the, in, in the feast. It's, it's going to be poured out, and I want you to listen. I want you to, 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 to really feel 
that you're going to be in the kingdom. I want you to feel that you are going to be a part of something so spectacular, so wonderful, so truly great, that there will be hardly any human words to describe it. It will be a more of a, 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 you know, a deep emotional thing that will help you to, 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 understand, to, to, you know, to grasp it. But in Revelation, the 20th chapter, just, just a few verses, I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of them which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not until, again until a thousand years were finished. Reigned with Jesus Christ a thousand years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Can we bring peace to this earth? I guarantee you, through Jesus Christ, we will be bringing peace. He will give us authority to do what we need to do to bring peace to this earth. Satan will be locked up. He won't be able to be loosed. We will bring peace. We will bring prosperity. I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll be different than what we have today. And people may not like it that much. I don't know. They might not like what is going to come, but it'll be good for all of humanity. And they will learn about the holy days. That's one thing that's going to happen. They will learn about the holy days. In, Re in Revelation, the 20th chapter, uh, continuing, let's read um, 11 through 14 here. And I saw a great white throne. And this is the last great day. And you know, I, I, we've, we've got a millennium. We've got all kinds of things. And, and then this... There's going to be a time of judgment for all the rest of humanity. And it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a wonderful time. People that you love who have never been able to understand this, my dad, for one, who um, thought it was, you know, kind of uh, whatever uh, he was thinking, but he never really could grasp what, what I believed. There'll be a great white throne, and him that sat on it, and whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the, uh, the, the, sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. They will have an opportunity, a time in which they will be judged. And they, they will have an opportunity to, to repent and to be baptized and to come into the kingdom. That's the whole point. God wants a huge, gigantic family, and he's able to take care of it. <laughs> he's able, more than able to take care of it. Uh, he's, he has the ability to, to do whatever... And he loves us all. He loved, even the, he, he loves the sinner, but he wants them to repent. 
I don't want to leave out the most important, one of the most important days uh, because every week we get to have a, a, a day of rest because it, it's a millennial. Um, look at the millennium. Uh, six days. Let's just read it in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And that you shall not do any work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your ox, nor your ass, nor any of your cattle, nor the stranger that is inside your gates, that your man's, uh, manservant and your maidservant may rest as well as you. Give everybody a time of rest. And it's a millennium, it's a look at the millennium. The time, that thousand years, when there will be a time of great rest from sin, from the sinful world that we live in. And remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt. We were a servant to sin. We came out of it. That's what it's all about. And the Lord your God brought you out from there through the mighty hand by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so we're here on the Sabbath day, observing and keeping this day, which pictures a time of great rest. And there's, there's so much in the scriptures. And you go to Hebrews and, and see that God was displeased with them because they did not want to enter into that rest. They didn't want to be a part of it. And yet we should desire it more than anything. If we want to be in that kingdom, we should desire that rest. We're all going to receive so many gifts, and I will leave all those gifts to, to Mark so that he can bring them out the next time he's up here. But I'm going to bring one, one thing. Because I think the, the greatest... There's a... In the movie... Um, the receiving of crowns. Um, Second Timothy. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but one day there are, I'm actually talking about the three different types of crowns, but uh, Paul says this in Second in Timothy um, chapter 4 and verse 8. And I think this is so wonderful because not only do we have this um, um, a wonderful reconciliation, of this wonderful opportunity to be in God's kingdom and all of that, but we also have the, the tremendous blessing of being able to help and, um, and bring others into it in the kingdom as we try to do today. He says in, in 2 Timothy 4 and, and, and verse 8, Hither, Hereafter there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. So every year as we come together and we rehearse the holy days, the picture, the kingdom of God, as God has set it out, for us to be in it and be a part of it, we also have a great reward waiting for us. 
And there's some things in there that we don't even quite understand. And we're going to receive that as a tremendous reward in the kingdom. So beyond baptism is the kingdom of God and eternal life and sitting and working and doing what God wants us to do. And the love that he will show us, we will spread throughout all who are willing to come to the truth of the kingdom of God.